on a mission, on a quest, on a search for discovering the truth. Join us on our journey to discovering a savior. All right, welcome to your church friends podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdla. As promised, we're back with part two of the predestination conversation. So let's pick up right where we left off. Uh, so this leads to that question that I said, what then is this child going to be? Unless you have anything before that. Is that why we're doing this on predestination? Yes. It all makes sense now. Yeah. That whole conversation <laughs> that, that earlier. The whole conversation is to get to uh, verse 66. Right. And I think that that is a good question because we were talking about, oh, the, the plans for all of creation, mm -hmm. right? And then the plans for the nation and the plans for the Messiah to come and then the plans for salvation to take place. But this is even something different as far as like, well, what is he going to become? Mm -hmm. They're not looking at like, because they're all Israelites. They're like, we know that we're God's people. We're not looking for like salvation f for him. Like, what's he going to become? Like, yeah. God is doing something here, which I think that that moves into our thing today of just like, What's my purpose in life? What am I mm -hmm. called for? Like, what, why am I here? Yeah, it goes into like both of us being parents, when you have kids and you're, you know, the wife is pregnant or maybe you're the wife and you're pregnant and you sit there and you wonder, what is this child going to be when it grows up? Mm -hmm. What's it, how's it going to look? Like, I, I remember with our first kid with Remy, because I'm Hispanic and Justine is Caucasian, um, that the wonder was, what is she going to look like? Mm -hmm. And then she came out very light-skinned, blonde hair, and blue eyes. So then there's Reed, and you're like, well, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to be the in-between? No, he came out with dark skin, dark hair, brown eyes. So, you know, there's the wonderment of what's my child going to look like. And then it's like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Like, we think that thing. Like, what are they going to be? What job? What profession? We ask that so quickly in kids' lives today. This question wasn't that. Because right, obviously, right, right. Zachariah's a priest. So what is John going to be? A priest. This question is deeper. It's like, wait a minute. Something yeah. is going on with this guy. That's why that commentary is there. For God's hand was on him. The amazement and then the God's hand. This is me just like still going mm -hmm. on that. Remember when he was like filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb? Yeah. I wonder if like that was some kind of marker somehow. Mm -hmm. Again, just reading stuff so it's not there. But right. yeah, very obviously something is going on. Uh, I like what N.T. Wright, uh, he kind of puts in this. He says, Zechariah's own story of uh, nine months silence suddenly broken at the naming of a child is a reflection on a smaller scale of what's going on in Israel of his day. Uh, prophecy, many believe, had been silent for a long time, and now it was going to burst out again to lead many back to a true allegiance to their God. Uh, what had begun as kind of a punishment in Zechariah's lack of faith uh, now turned into a new sort of sign, a sign that God is doing a new thing. And I really liked, again, just before we get into what he actually says, uh, how N.T. Wright paints this picture. If, if you have the time or journeying along with us, get or find N.T. Wright's um, it's Luke for everyone, I believe. His for everyone series are all great. It's but just yeah, fantastic. Luke one is and he just, good. he paints stories. Like it's, it's commentary with the story to it. And the way he did this was just, or better yet, I really liked how he phrased that. That like the silence is the, what was happening. And now is a sign that prophecy is coming out and it's going to be um, leading people back to Christ. 
Right. So when you're talking about that silence, but then you have this thing happening, you're like, oh, God hasn't spoken through. And then what is he going to be? Like there is, did we touch on the prophecy? Like, I know that we talked about messianic prophecies relating Mm -hmm. to Jesus. Did we touch on the the prophecy relating to like John? Uh, Slightly. That just um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way Mm -hmm. the Lord. So he was going to be the one that's preparing the way um, for the Messiah. Then looking at uh, in Malachi, I'll send my messenger to prepare mm-hmm. the way. Um, then even that thing of, behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet, which mm-hmm. then comes up later. You know, as far as like, hey, I thought Elijah coming. Is this Elijah? Like, what does this look like? So, yeah, this thing of like, what is he going to be? And going back to God predetermining things, God already predetermined someone's going to come before the Messiah. Right. Yeah. So th- that's a whole like, are you predestined? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we get the fun question with the show. Um, the first half of his prophecy is all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really, if you're going to be preparing the way for preparing the, guy. the way, you yeah. got to start off there. Um, uh, but Je- he's looked at Jesus as being our redeemer. Uh, so the word redeem means to set free by paying a price. Uh, it can re- also refer to releasing a prisoner or liberating a slave, which I kind of, yeah. I like that terminology more. It makes more sense to the whole story of the Bible. And that Jesus came to earth to deli- uh, to bring deliverance to the captives, salvation to the people, and bondage of sin. And then um, basically looking at it that we are unable to set ourselves free. Only Christ could pay the price necessary for our redemption. Only he could set us free and liberate us from all that slavery. So this is just that beginning part. Uh, again, then it's like Jesus would be from the house of David because he'll raise up a horn uh, mm-hmm. from David. And again, so this is, as he's praising, people are just hearing this. This is just like him talking or singing this. And they may have thought like, oh, is he talking about John? Uh, But when he says from the house of David, that's a clear sign that he's not. Because as we covered already, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah are both Levites. Mm -hmm. So David, not a Levite. That is a good thing to pull out. Mm -hmm. Because that's so easy to miss over. They're just like, oh, his dad, he's prophesying. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what this is coming to. Which then you're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely Jesus related. But you kind of feel like, oh, he's just sprinkling that stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a lot of times when there's blessings uh, fathers given is specifically talk to the child or the individual in the Old Testament. So it kind of reminded me of the blessing when um, uh, Jacob gave mm-hmm. his 12 sons. Uh, so for that to be in there again, it's like saying, no, this is this part's not about him. Um as he said through the prophets long ago, is verse 70 that's mentioned there. Uh, and this has taken us all the way back to Genesis from yep. the very beginning. Um, and then he talks about the covenant of Abraham, right? That God remembered his promise to Abraham. And I, I read this and I thought it was interesting. It said that Matthew always takes you back to Moses. Uh, Luke always takes things back to Abraham mm-hmm. going beyond the law. So God had made the covenant with Abraham, the promise uh, to send a new David. God had all his prophets speak about this about someone who he would send to prepare the way. And all these things uh, were now there and they were coming true, which leads us to the John part. Before we get to the John part, the cool thing about Matthew, Moses, Luke, Mm -hmm. uh, Abraham, is Matthew is setting up with all the prophecies and everything that happens with Jesus being the second Moses. Right. Right, like if you go back, hey, I'm going to send another one like him and Mm -hmm. this is going to happen. But you have Luke, Luke is a Gentile. And what you have, like, if you look at Abraham, Abraham was pre-Moses. So he's mm-hmm. before that covenant. He's before the law. And when you get in, like, the book of Hebrews and you have Abraham just being lifted up, hey, 
he was a friend of God. He had faith and he followed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that that's what things were getting brought back to as far as like God relating to all of the, the Gentile nations. Which is like, yes, it's about faith. This new covenant that's getting put in, like it is going back to that Abrahamic thing to where, yeah, there was no law as such for Abraham. Right. He just followed after God and just like that's what got opened back up again. Right. And you also see like who... Uh, each person was writing to mm-hmm. uh, Matthew being more of like he's writing to Jews so right. it would be like yeah let's go to Moses because that's the covenant uh, where a Gentile well what was Abraham before he became before he started following er. right a Gentile yeah so like let's take it back to you know the Gentiles are also going to walk in this yeah. relationship like it's kind of like the Hey, you're a Gentile you like all the mm-hmm. stuff about being in this nation with all the stuff that you didn't grow up no, that ain't it. Like yeah. we're not, it's there. Yeah, we're gonna focus somewhere else. Yeah, uh, sorry, I I want to get into it, but that's that's why it's so cool how th- things are written and why. Like, right. I, I just as I've learned those things, I'm like, ah. Oh. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those are they're really good to notice, uh, which is why we bring them up. So we get into John and uh, the prophecy of John, or what he says about John is he will be a prophet of the Most High. Um. Again, kind of changing the wording in the term, right? Because if he is a Levite, he should be a priest. But he's saying, my son will be the prophet of the Most High. And then it's also letting you know, like, who I was talking about before previously, that's the Most High. Mm -hmm. And he's going to follow underneath that. So, again, all this groundwork just being laid down here. Uh, He will prepare the way. Uh, for, like I said, the above mentioned, uh, God's plan is to bring freedom through forgiveness. And that's what's mentioned here. He'll prepare the way. Let me actually read that because it stood out to me so much this time. Verse 77 is to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Um, and I just thought that this is the plan and the purpose. The people mm-hmm. were looking for freedom from the oppressor, from whatever nation was oppressing them, whatever place was holding them down. And here's Zechariah saying, that's not the oppressor. You need forgiveness of sin. You need uh, that redemption. You need to be taken out of the slavery and the bondage that you're in. Uh, N.T. Wright again says, uh, Luke is preparing us to see that God in fulfilling the great promises of the Old Testament is going beyond a merely this worldly salvation and opening the door to a whole new world in which sin and death themselves will be dealt with. Uh, so all this is set in motion, and we have to ask why, uh, and it's because Luke answers it, God's tender mercy, um, his his love for us. This is God showing that to us. So a cool thing there, too, to all of that, that, like, that's all, that's just so good. Um, but going back to that part that you're t- bringing up, like, hey, it's interesting being the prophet and not the priest, and if you look at, like, this is the first thing that he's saying yeah. after being mute. And I think that it's how you were saying, hey, they're, they're the faithful people that go and do the circumcision as they're supposed to and all this stuff. But then it's just like, what? Just look at the character. I was like, I can speak and I'm just going to praise God for what I know he's doing mm-hmm. with bringing salvation. And again, just looking towards the Messiah and then bringing it into his son. And it's interesting because he was mute because he was like, well, how am I going to believe you, Gabriel? Right. Mm-hmm. That's how come he was mute. Yeah. Gabriel is the one that said that he was going to be in the spirit and power of Elijah. Zechariah knows that Elijah is a prophet. So he's like, now that I can talk, I'm believing that Gabriel uh, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm 
there's no doubt in my mind, you're going to be a prophet for right. me. And especially if you go back to what we were talking yeah. about in the previous episode. I like about, how you piece those about together. About Mary coming to visit. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, oh, like, imagine not being able to talk. Mm-hmm. And like, he's a priest. He knows all this stuff. Well, and he he's has just all like, his tablets. <laughs> Sorry if I derailed your thought. <laughs> no, you didn't. I just, I don't know. It's just, my mind just goes to complete Flintstones. Yeah. I'm just like a pile of like, just, t- yeah. Just all, what, all right. Sorry. Another just, what's crazy to me is when they find super ancient tablets like yeah. that from like some of the oldest tablets that we find with writing on them are literally grocery, grocery lists. List, yeah. Or there's one guy that's writing and he's like, dude, you screwed up my order. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's literally like, it's literally a complaint yeah, letter yeah. about the quality of the stuff that he received. It's like, oh, those are a couple changed. of the two oldest do- yeah. like, writings that we have. So, yeah. <laughs> he's over- customer service. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing you a tablet. I'll send you a rock. Uh, sorry. But <laughs> I wasn't derailed until I derailed myself. Yeah. Um, no, but to be like, mm. oh, man, just, just see all this linking together. Just like, oh, the angel. He also went to her. This is mm-hmm. happening. All uh, right, mm-hmm. and then here's the moment. And you're just like, "Yep, my son." They're asking who's he gonna be. It's like I know for sure, mm-hmm. he's the prophet that's gonna come. Yeah, and just really banking on like, nah, I, I know, I've been told. Remember how Gabriel? How am I gonna trust you? He's like, uh, I kind of stand in the presence yeah. of God. Yeah, yeah. I I really like that when I when I saw that those two pieces coming together. Which is funny because when I read it, I didn't go backwards to the Elijah thing. Mm-hmm. And I just chalked it up to, he was filled with the spirit and he I'll prophesied, you know, like it's that, um, the priest and prophet thing that he would be in Elijah, like just that burst forth of praise. Mm-hmm. And I like how, again, Luke is writing it. He praised God um, because he's seeing everything and, and it's, it's where he's at now. The, the, the doubt now turned into understanding and he's just filled with praise and wants to praise God. Um, you know, it just ends. Uh, the feet of the path will be peace. Uh, that the path that's leading to everything will be a path of peace to our feet. And uh, really, because the path we were walking on before Christ was destruction and chaos. Yeah, and I think that that's like we can't know, like we can't go backwards. Mm-hmm. And for whatever you want to say about the state of America and all this stuff, like we are just entrenched in Christianity and everything that Christianity has done yeah. since the resurrection, right? Like we are just a completely different world. And we've said that so many times already in this, that when when they're on their journey to discover a savior, right? Like this is happening real yeah. time for them. We are such beneficiaries of a couple thousand of years of this stuff taking place like yeah the day that they were living and look at the wording that he used uh i know that yours has like does it say the sun will rise Mm -hmm. mine has the dawn will visit us from on high there's Mm -hmm. i mean the morning light or the sunrise or like Mm -hmm. right but to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death yeah like that that's really the view if you go back to the ancient world and especially if you're an Israelite looking at, we know who the most high is, and you are looking at all these other nations that are worshiping mm-hmm. these other gods and all the crazy stuff that's going on. And you're just like, wow. And like, you just look at, we've been in darkness and here's the sun coming up and it 
new day is dawning like it's we've been in night we've been mm-hmm. in death you said destruction and chaos right and it's just like i don't think that we can understand given our vantage point of today just what was actually happening yeah like i, I tried to put myself back in that place and it's like i i can't like i can i just i just can't in a modernized culture where we can manipulate everything everything you know we're uh, not we just put this in AI. This isn't even us yeah. anymore. We just let it <laughs> yeah, run. We, we got to fix that program. We still sound horrible. Um, but the the conversation I had with uh, Reed last night, he wanted to pray before dinner. Um, we don't pray before we eat food. I, I don't know if that makes us horrible Christians. Uh, but he wanted to pray and he got a little upset because Remy was like already like eating while he was praying. And I told him, I was like, well, honestly, son, they didn't pray before they ate. A lot of times they would pray after they ate. They prayed after the meal to give thanks for what they just had. Because if you think about the time they lived in to now, food wasn't as readily available. Yeah. Like if the crops produced, they ate. If the crops didn't, they were in trouble. Which takes us to this, their understanding, Old Testament understanding. God sent rain. We now have crops. He's in control of that. And where you have the the pagan side of it would be, well, no, this God is in control of that because he he does this, so we should go sacrifice our children to him. So we get so removed sometimes because, like I said, we can manipulate. We don't struggle with that anymore, like at least in America. Uh, that honestly, around the world, like absolute poverty has just been demolished over the past like hundred years. Yeah, hundred years. Yeah, because we we can manipulate things. We could grow fruit and vegetables and food and cattle and all the stuff that we need in places that normally wouldn't be allowed to do that mm-hmm. because we we can. Um, and so in a sense, we're removed from all of this like um, path and darkness and everything and understanding God, this new hope in that world of chaos because we're not living in that time, in that culture. We just can't understand what it's like to be in a place, plant a seed and not watch it sprout and be like, well, I'm going to Walmart. Like, if it didn't sprout, we're in trouble. We gotta, we gotta tend to that. We gotta pray, and you know, hopefully, it's God's loving mercy and kindness that He He sends the rain to help produce all of that stuff. So it's just such a remove. Like you're saying, it's hard for us to grasp some of what we read because of how far we've modernized ourselves. You just gave me a really weird viewpoint when you're talking about manipulation, mm-hmm. like not understanding it's dark and then lights coming up. Because, like, the enemy is trying to make things dark. Mm-hmm. And what a weird thought. They're like, do you think that he could manipulate it to make it still seem like it's light while things are getting darker? Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, oh, we don't, we can't even notice it because look at all these good things. And he's just like, yeah. you think it's good because I kept the light on. Mm-hmm. But, like, behind that. Behind the veil. Yeah, behind the veil. I'm I'm coming with destruction. Yeah. Not that he'll win, but just, that, I don't know, that concept of, like, manipulation. Because manipulate lying, just all that stuff of just like, oh, yeah, look, things are good. Um, you have anything else within that prophecy song thing? Uh, no. Uh, after that, we just have him going to the desert. Right. So yeah. just like, how was that? Like, oh man, he's the one. Here's the thing. It just goes. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until the time of his public appearance to Israel. Mm-hmm. You're just like, cool. All that is like the baby was born, and then well, all the way is just like, yeah. He grew up both physically and spiritually, mm-hmm. and he just lived in the wilderness until it was time. Yeah. God was like, 
all this craziness, right? Just like, oh man, what's going on? Who's this kid going to be? All this stuff. Just like, you'll hear from him in 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Look, imagine, go back to like, are you predestined? Yeah. Like to be raised in that and be like, hey, you're the, you're the prophet that's coming before. Mm-hmm. Go get ready. Just like really leaning into that predestined. The fun part about that verse is the, I'll go with 30 because I'll minus 10 Generally, as yeah. a kid. The 30 years of being a Christian and reading a Bible and understanding and seeing this passage and never going like, wait, what now? Mm-hmm. No, he was, he's a Levite. He he lives in this, uh, the hill country. Like he's almost like born into wealth. How does he go into the desert? It never uh, he was predestined. Right. <laughs> but it never played the part of like questioning that. It was just like, where did John the Baptist come from? The desert. No, his parents were Levites yeah, 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 and yeah, priests. Yeah. Where did John? The desert. No, we're we're missing something in between there, uh, which is why I kind of liked um, our Lord of Spirit friends mm-hmm. and uh, the Orthodox take on all this. Uh, so they, and this will be a quick tangent and then I'll wrap up uh, for my end. Uh, they uh, talk about uh, that the situation with Herod going out to kill the children, Mm -hmm. uh, the infants around Jesus' age, like John would be around that. Uh, So to protect John, his parents uh, uh, were killed, and he grew up in the wilderness and the desert. And their belief, and I guess older writings lead them to this, they're just not making it up, so I don't Mm want to say like their belief, but uh, the ancient writings would is that the John was cared for by angels, uh, yeah, very similar that. to like that. Elijah, which makes him a prophet like Elijah. Um, the belief was that Zechariah was killed in the temple, and uh, this is said by Jesus when he refers mm-hmm. to the Abel to Zechariah who was killed in the temple. Uh, a lot of people like to think it's the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, but uh, to them that's a, too much of a gap. Uh, the reference of A to Z uh, doesn't, align logistically making it evident that Jesus was talking about uh, Zachariah in the temple. So it's like from the beginning to the end of all of that. So um, yeah, that's their take on how he ended up in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. I I forgot that I had heard that. I didn't keep digging into that, but I've heard that. And I just want to throw it out there and I'm going to probably throw out some other Orthodox thoughts in our next episode uh, because it's just the, and I was talking to Justine about this last night. For for I guess we're we're Protestants. Our reading of church history kind of only goes back to fifteen hundred. Our boy Calvin and some of those other dudes. And for the most part, depending on what type of Protestant, like it's more like the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, and depending on yeah, some of them, it's 1800s. back to Rick Warren. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we don't we don't go deep into like the other writings that are out there. Which is why I loved when we covered the excluded books of the Bible. It's digging into these things that people are like the Shepherd of Hermas. Yeah. How is this the most popular book of early Christianity? Of early Christianity. And we're like, what now? What book? The Shepherd of Who? No, oh, Jesus is the Shepherd. Don't be dumb. Gonna throw it back out there. The dedication should at least be in the appendix. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. It should at least be yeah. in there. I don't care if you call it scripture, but y'all should be reading it. It should be read. Um just the I don't know what the demographic of our audience is. Here's the thing. We're gonna, we won't bring up, quote unquote, orthodox things that freaking you out. We'll bring up the sources that go back to the beginnings of our faith. Mm-hmm. 
because that's where when we're talking about the Lord of Spirits or different Orthodox people, like they tend to just live in the early church fathers right, and writings. Yeah. So if you're like, oh man, I don't know about this Orthodoxy, like I'm I'm not in that realm. It's just like, okay, well, I referenced how many people at the beginning of this episode between Augustine and whatever, and just like Calvin was reading Augustine. And Augustine was looking at like some other people too, so yeah, it's okay. We can look at where we came from. Yeah, take that, a deep breath; it'll be fun. That was the point of like we kind of stop, but there's so much more history yeah. that does kind of fill in these gaps. And and maybe you read it and you don't question it. You're like, died, went to the desert. I get it. Uh, but for me, it was the like, there's a pause there. There's a break. Um, but all of that to say, why is naming John in the Bible? Why is this story so important? Why is it in there? Why did Luke, out of all the Gospels, decide that this needed to be in his? Um, in ancient Israel, naming a child a symbolized parental authority. Uh, I could think of when our kids were born. Um, I, I, Remy, I knew that was the name I had for a daughter. I just wanted to name my daughter Remy. Really, it was to name her Rem but I don't like the band R.E.M. and I didn't want people to make the correlation. Yeah, uh, which they would. Yeah, they would. So I went with Remy and I call her Rem. Uh, but that's me as a parent. I got to, I get to name her. Um, and sometimes, you know, the kids are like, why did you name me this? And we tell them and they're like, oh, if I was, if I could have named myself, it'll, like Reed would have been like, I would have named myself a Popsicle. And I'm like, that's why you don't get to name yourself. I won't tell you about Casey's names. <laughs> they were... Uh... Yeah, did she have like three before she was five? No, 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 I'm talking about the ones that she wanted. I'm oh. like, those are names for people who have jobs that you will not be having. Yeah. <laughs> Diamond. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's this it's this place where we as parents kind of, we do have the authority of what we're going to name. So that's what it symbolized. Yet in... <laughs> are we playing the, the baby name game? No, but drop ah. it in real quick. No, you finish and then I'll, oh, okay. I'll come back to it and that'll be how but in the Bible, there are a few times where God reserved that privilege for himself. Uh, on rare occasions, God declared, I will name this child because they are under my authority and connected to me in a special way. So when Gabriel informed Elizabeth and Zechariah about their pending parenthood, or when Zechariah informed Elizabeth through his tablet about them having the baby and all this, and revealed the chosen name for the baby, it conveyed a clear message. It was, your child belongs to God. His name will be uh, designated by God himself. It is a divine decree that he shall be called John, and he is predestined to be uh, by God to be the forerunner of Christ. That's why the story's in there. When mm -hmm. we look at it all, it's God highlighting someone saying, this is mine. This is mine. He's my instrument. He's going to do something for me in a great way, and I've, I've predestined this and you can look at all the scripture like you talked about a forerunner is in there that's why even in the orthodox it's john not the john forerunner. the baptist yeah it's john the forerunner uh, because he's coming before us we just went with baptized baptist because that's what he was doing with everybody but technically he was doing the other thing too yeah he was doing both yeah but you know it's scripture was pointing towards this individual's life john was born and through whatever means of the spirit filling him and whatever time his parents had with him to ingrain some of this, he was obedient just like his parents. And we'll see that more and even obedient into death because the greater picture wasn't him. It was who God is. Hmm. You said a lot of good stuff. I, I like it. And don't forget the baby name game. I wasn't. I okay. was just appreciating your contributions <laughs> to the episode. So 
baby name game. John Yohanan, if you were to go a little bit more Hebrew, is a uh, God is gracious. Mm-hmm. And I think that as far as being the forerunner to the Messiah, to where like, what's the message going out before? Is that mm-hmm. God is gracious. And that really to tie that back into this whole thing of like predestination, Calvinism, what's the roles in all this? Like really one of the things, if you were to look into it, it is this thing of grace. What's the role of grace? Because mm-hmm. God is pouring out his grace. It's an act of grace that was the, the cross and the resurrection and the spirit coming down and just like we're saved by his grace. Yeah. Right. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. So when we're hearing that from John that God is gracious, like to kind of bring it back to like being predestined and coming back to our own personal salvation is just like to know God is gracious. And maybe you've already made up your mind about what side of the aisle you're going to stand on with any of those things. and Fine, that's cool. Go for it. There's tons of people there with you. But to really bring it down to, we're only considering any of these things because of God's grace. Yeah. I'm only living the life that I'm living because of God's grace. Mm -hmm. When I look at the life that I did have, the life of sin, the life of rebellion, the life that was against God, and then he had mercy and grace on me. And now here I am today, still struggling through some stuff, but growing and I'm, and he's with me. Right. Um, which that part is Jesus's role. Yeah. Like God with us, right? Yeah. And having that and his spirit being with us. I just want to bring it to the thing of like, all right, predestination. Are you predestined? I'm going to say, if you made it to this point in the episode, you were predestined to hear me say that God loves you. Mm. If you are not a believer, know that God loves you so much. The reason why you exist on this planet is because he wanted you to have life. And if you're estranged from him, you're probably struggling through some stuff mm-hmm. internally and externally. And as we're talking about, the whole point leading up to this was salvation. He wants to offer you a free salvation. Yeah. Nothing you got to do but turn to him and say, wow, you are the God. You are the most high. All that I have to give you is sin and ask for forgiveness. Like, I'll say that at this point in time, you're predestined to hear that message that like it really is there for you yeah that today even right now like you don't even need to know the rest of everything maybe everything that we talked about is over like that's over my head like what's not over your head is that god loves you Mm -hmm. that there's a different path that you can get set on that there is god is just so good yeah and rather than just hearing us talk about it it can be a real life experience for you Mm -hmm. so that's if you don't know god if you do you're predestined go and share that message with someone else yep don't let me do all the work yeah i'm not even that good at it that's yeah. all I got. Yeah. So what's next week? Next week, man. It, it, it actually touches home pretty pretty well into like my faith journey because I looked at all kinds of different religions. Mm. And at one point, someone told me, hey, they're all the same thing. They're just recycled. And if anything, Christianity is just ripping off a bunch of them. Yeah. So we're looking at the myth that's true. That should be fun. Yeah. All right. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, church friends, it's Chris here to tell you about a wonderful new product that will help you take your eyes off yourself and place them back on God. It's called the Golden Eye. That's right. It's the same Golden Eye from our villain series featured on our episode on Nebuchadnezzar. I used to struggle with seeing myself as the most important thing in life. So I decided to give it a try. And let me tell you, this product really works. 
The instructions are simple. All I had to do was place the contacts in my eye every morning at 5 a.m. and keep them closed for at least 30 seconds. When I opened my eyes, I no longer saw myself but saw God in everything. My cereal, my cup of coffee, my toothbrush, that person who cut me off, even my dog Bear. Let me tell you, when you see God in everything, you would definitely praise Him like Zachariah did in the Gospel of Luke. With GoldenEye, your eyes go back to being on God where they belong. GoldenEye is available at all major big box stores, so grab a pair and try it today.